Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a new theme Thursday edition of Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. Uh, new theme of the, the day is uh, being thankful. Uh, we got Thanksgiving on the horizon. Uh, we all can uh, stand to be a little bit more thankful uh, for the blessings in our lives. So I want to thank my man Patrick for uh, enlightening us a little bit early on a new theme Thursday and all of his hard work. My man Harge is out. going to see his kids actually play in sporting events. Uh, but you can cyberstalk him at uh, Hardball Hard in the Twitterverse. My name Patrick Davis is at It's Patrick Davis. I'm at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse and you can reach out to us via the Specs text line. That is the heartbeat of this thing and you are the soul of this show. So do so on the Specs text line 512-337-3776. We'll be talking about Texas' big win over the Zags. Uh, we'll also get into a Rod's Round the Day next segment. Uh, probably going to discuss some NFL trends uh, in that segment. Uh, there is one glaring trend that continues to... It, really be astounding right now in the NFL. We thought it would be more of an outlier. Uh, not the case. This may be the story of 2022 in the NFL. We'll get to that coming up in Rod's Rand of the Day. Uh, Verlander winning his third Cy Young. We'll get to that coming up in the 545 segment. Uh, and then we'll get back to Texas versus Kansas and even Steve Sarkeesian's uh, media availability via the Zoom call. We'll get to that at the top of the 6 o'clock. Then we got Packers Titans Thursday night football preview and we'll discuss Philadelphia, once again, going all in, all caps, uh, this time signing Nadama Kung Su. Uh, we'll get into that, too, coming up at 630 with some NFL news, notes, and nuggets. Let's get right to it, though. Uh, Patrick, you were there to witness it. Uh, you've probably seen more of this Texas basketball team than anybody that I know. Um, 93-74 win over the Zags. Um, We'll get into the mood and the Moody Center and the the, the experience overall over and the environment because that was also something that we have to discuss. But getting to the team, uh, 93-74 win over the Zags. What was the big storyline for you coming out of that game? I mean, because there's a lot. It's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot. And, I mean, it's In this thing way. that you don't expect to have so many players play one of the best games they've ha- ever had together at the same time. Really, when you need it versus the versus one of the better teams in the versus country. the number two team in the country. Yeah. So I mean, you have to start with Tyrese Hunter and just this was his coming out party for the Longhorns. No, question. that we knew he was the preseason uh, number one transfer uh, in the Big Twelve. So we knew that he was a big name that, to get in the transfer portal. We, he's played well, but to see him come out and have that dominant performance, uh, I mean, that just has got to give you a lot of confidence for a team that has struggled offensively. To have yeah. somebody that can oh. make a defense not be able to play zone on you like that, yeah. to have a defense where they can't really just guard you and guard everybody with whoever. Yep. You make them stay. Okay, now, because Marcus Carr wasn't necessarily carrying his weight enough as the guy, 
But as soon as you're able to put him as second guy, now he is one of the best second guys in the country at guard. Yeah. Uh, you add into that Dylan DeSue, what he was able to do in this game uh, is huge. I mean, just everyone in there. And then the fact that Texas got to go in and have their game plan and execute it and basically control the game with their – even though at the beginning – uh, Gonzaga's just shooting unreal from the three-point land, which is why they're basically in that game. They shot, why yeah, they shot pretty well from three-point land. They game. were shooting yeah. unreal to start that game. So when you were playing, we're going to take everything away from Timmy. We're going to take everything away, and we're going to double onto him, and we're going to, uh, you know, help uh, on inbounds on the passes on the entry passes. They were getting threes, which you know you're going to give up. You just don't expect them to hit eighty percent. You're like a normal team's going to shoot forty percent. Yeah. So if you miss if you miss half of the ones you made. We're up right now. And I think Texas knew they could not sustain. They weren't going to sustain it. Exactly. Uh, and they didn't. Uh, they didn't sustain it. But, I mean, you're right. They There are a lot of guys who played really, really well and played at a high level against the Zags. And you're probably right. That's probably, for Texas, the most promising thing, the most optimistic thing is that uh, now with Tyrese Hunter, with that career high for him with 26 points, you got a guy that can break down pretty much any defense they try to present to you. Yes, and it's, right? you can, he can shoot the three well enough that you know that that you have to get out on him. Yeah, but he can also drive on you and and, and play that way. He's got the burst. I, I mean, and then you throw in the fact that we talked so much yesterday about you know how the game was going to be called and worrying about guys getting in foul trouble. It was, I thought they let him play, but man, they did. And so basically, what, what they did was. If you play good, clean basketball, but it's physical, we will let you play. And then t- later when you, on, they got a they tightened up a little bit when it would get chippy. Yeah. So when they started to reach in, and Texas was going like, "Oh, we can play hard," and started going in with hands, then they're like, "You can't go. You can't be swatting across them." But if you just want to bump them a lot, you can bump a lot. If you want to go in and try and you know go for 50-50 balls, yeah. we're fine with that. But <laughs> the fact they were able to continue Chris Beard's rotation, like that rotation, he runs one of the tightest rotations of. Guys in, guys out. Two minutes, two and a half minutes, three Once minutes. Two guys fresh, and it keeps the guys going intensity. in. And so yeah. when you see a Drew Timmy being having to be in there for more and more and not getting breaks, but you're constantly getting a fresh guy. So you're not able to wear down any of their guys true. because all right, now it's Christian Bishop on you. Okay, now it's Dylan DeSue on you. Okay, now it's Brock Cunningham on you. Okay, now Timmy Allen's going to come on you for a minute. All right, we're back to Dylan DeSue. Okay, it's Christian, and you're like every. You know, six possessions. You have another guy guarding. You're like, how am I supposed to wear them down? And then offensively, I'm having to keep mentally changing how I'm guarding somebody. Yeah. As well as, all right, this guy's stretching the floor on me. All right, this guy's going here. This guy's now a screener. The scouting report of every and guy. <laughs> we're gonna run him through as many screens yeah. as we can. Like that kind of stuff to be able to implement your will that way. It just it it's game changing to allow yourself to be able to go to have the length of new guys in there like Jabari Rice to kind of help out mm-hmm. spell it when you don't necessarily have that height. But defensively, they looked really, really good. And then you throw in Tyrese Hunter and so many guys shooting well. Yeah, no, I I, I think the defense would probably be the top highlight for me. The defense, but it just suffocated uh, the Zags. I can't, we kept waiting for that run from the Zags. It never came. Yeah. Every time they, they would have, I don't know, kind of a run, they would have a spark. Texas would just drown it out. Well, they, and, they end up. They, Texas responded really well every time they had a little bit of a spark. Well, and that is that is a big thing too. If last year we had so many problems of this offense just oh, man. completely having yeah. six minutes, seven minutes scoring droughts, yep. and you go, well, that's not even them going on a run so much as you can't score. So if they score twelve points in that time where you can score zero, it's a twelve zero run. Yep. So that is a great way for a team to. 
Texas never had a point where they could, went five possessions without scoring, Mm-mm. and they didn't allow Gonzaga to score every time down the court. Yeah. So if you were able to do that throughout a game consistently, Especially you're still in most games going to have somebody where they just someone gets hot. Like we saw Tyrese Hunter in that that game, he was hot. Three threes, he was hot. and then takes a fourth one that was. Just a horrible hey, shot. Hey, heat check, but baby. But he is a heat you gotta check. Take that. No, I get it. And it was just <laughs> funny because you see him take it and you're just like, come on now. Hey, right. I, 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 I get nobody it. Nobody objected. Hey, hey, when Chris Beard is on the side, like, hey, hey, I get hey, it. Usually Chris Beard is yelling at the screen. He's like, nah, you got to go, brother. Hey, you, in a game like this. Um, but, you know, as they talked about that, too, and I want to get your thoughts on it, too, because you've seen this team. He said they played with, and I thought it was a great description, he said they played with a certain freedom offensively. Yeah, I thought it was a great word to describe it because, yeah, there, there did seem to be a free flow within the offense that it did get bogged down like it did last season. I think a lot of it is Tyrese Hunter having a true, a true point guard who's a, a real pace setter. Uh, but but also, you know, they did. They seem like the guys have now more, uh, more liberty, more freedom within the offense, and maybe that's because he just trusts them now. Their their basketball IQs and these guys are just better offensive players. Yeah, and I, I it, it, there there is something to be said of you have a couple more shooters out there. Uh, there was also a point where you you know you had still had Ramey and Andrew Jones last year who were good players, but they were very they were used to a very different defense. This team now really isn't that old of they now are used to this or sorry not the different different offense. So they're not used to a different offense now. They're not used to hey I played four years in this one system and now I'm going to try and play a fifth year in this other system. That's good. But now they haven't developed those tendencies. Yeah, and bad, or bad and habits. So or different habits, the guys yeah. that have been in there a year, Dylan DeSue's and all them are are now getting much mm-hmm. more confident. But you have the new guys come in, they can fit right into it and play that motion offense that Chris Beard wants to play. But, you know, I said it after that, uh, the scrimmage against Arkansas, that we saw him and he went, the difference that I saw in that offense from the two uh, games before Gonzaga is the team looked like it was having fun when it was playing offense. It looked like it was looking for a guy, guys were taking shots. They weren't worried about, you always worry about a team worried about the coach benching them because they take a bad shot. Because if you play like that, you're missing a lot of opportunities. You're making passes you don't need to make. And we saw a couple passes like that last night, but not a lot of them. Yeah. The fact that they were looking like, oh, no, no, we know we can play like that. And a lot of it is just hitting some shots early. Yeah, and it's confident because there was yeah. no hesitation. Guys weren't hesitant. Yeah. Last year you saw sometimes guys get a pass and they'd be hesitant like, uh, you know what, I'm just going to pass it. Yeah. And it was not that – remember Beard always said, only pass up a good shot for a great shot. I didn't feel like that was that that mentality didn't hurt them in this game. Exactly. In fact, last year they were they almost thought about that too much. Yeah, and I mean, and I've seen it with Spurs teams where you know you get younger guys in there and they're used to playing and they go, "Oh, pop system, we got to do this." And like, no, man, if you're not if you're not if it doesn't feel right to you, then you're not going to be able to fit into it very well. It felt like this game he kind of put the the first two games of the season. He more or less had it like, "Hey, man, we really need to work on these things." We need to work mm-hmm. on a few things, but we really need these things to be good. And that's where he went, oh, no, you're good enough. Go do it. Yeah, you're right, because the three-point shot, uh, that was a big complaint. Uh, I, I say that was a big issue early on. Still small sample size for Texas, but they, the three-point shot was going for them. Uh, they were 13 of 33 from thir- uh, three-point range, and they were hot early on from three-point range. I believe in the first half, Texas was around 44% from three-point range in the yeah. first half. And that you're right, that set the tone for a confident team, a confident shooting team. Uh, and they were aggressive and confident the entire time. I really uh, thought the performance of Dylan DeSue, you pointed it yeah. out earlier, but man, just what he did defensively. Really, it was a it was a a really a a community effort, if you will, a team effort to neutralize Drew Timmy. 
because uh, they threw Dylan DeSue at him. I mean, you saw uh, at times Christian Bishop, Brock Cunningham did a really good job frustrating him at times. Hell, Brock Cunningham started a run on it by his damn self actually yep. doing that game. <laughs> that dude's just a junkyard dog. Uh, they did a really good job of frustrating Timmy, uh, denying the entry to the post, uh, making that really difficult, putting a lot of pressure on that entry pass. You talked about that, uh, but also pushing Timmy out, not letting him, uh, you know, get the ball uh, really deep in that post. And they they frustrated. I mean, he had five turnovers. I mean, he had seven field goals and five turnovers. I mean, it's been a while since Drew Timmy's been yeah. that pedestrian, I guess is the word to say it. I mean, he was still really productive, but last year he had, what, 37 versus Texas? Yeah, he, yeah, he dominated the team last year. And that's mm-hmm. saying with him taking time on the bench because they were up by enough. So that's that was him putting up 37 yeah. pretty easily against Texas. And it is a thing where if you look at this team going forward, you're going to play better defensive teams than Gonzaga. So you're not going to put up the amount of points you put up. But you're also not going to play offensive teams that are as good as Gonzaga. So you can take it back and go, yeah, there is going to be where Texas is probably not going to average. Texas will probably average closer to 60 to 70 points yeah. than what they average in 90 or whatever they had in this game. It's just a question of can you can you get the stops on defense, come mm. back down, and not get bogged down when you get put in that half court. Yep. And last year they got bogged down in that half court offense too much that I think now with Marcus Carr and Terry's Hunter on the court together – They just do a better job of being able to drive to the basket while looking for their shot but also looking for other guys. There was many where when they got help defense, they were able to hit the cutter. Yep. And that's an easy two points every time or an easy foul. Or you just get a wide-open mid-range jumper, which Marcus Carr is really good at. Yeah. It did seem like more movement. Hards brought this up, too, without the ball. Uh, for Texas oh, yeah. on offense. Well, that's it's a motion offense. Yeah. Like you have to have that, or it does not work. And, and last year they didn't have enough of it. No, because last year you get bogged down. If you're not scoring, you just stop moving because you're like, "What do you want me to? Do? I just ran a <laughs> mile. You didn't. Yeah. You passed me the ball once. I immediately passed it back out because there's a guy right on me. Yeah. So, but you frustration know, too. Yeah, and you that. can run those screens. And I think it, what's funny is it, it's the thing that Chris Beard will and his coaches will have to keep working on. But I think there was a lot of times that they were running screens more for a defensive sense. So, like, they're running a screen, but they're going, I want to tire this guy out. To on. make Timmy work. Yeah, I want to make him work. Yeah. Then defensively, we'll be able to get to him. And you go, no, no, but always do that. <laughs> Just always do yeah, that offensively. That's a good plan. Like, because even if you're not getting your guy open, there was one play where Tyrese Hunter basically, and there's a thing that it's hard for guys to do in the game, but he went across the screen. He saw the defender go under the screen. As mm. soon as he did it, he went back across the screen and took the shot. So, he goes, if you're going underneath the screen, then I can you yeah. you can't get got, back to me before I, I get the shot off. Yeah, I got space. So I know that I space. can do that and go back and forth. That was kind of a thing we didn't have before, and it makes it too much harder to. All right, I'm going to make you go over, and if you go over the screen, I can drive on you and pick up a foul, or I can get right past you. Yeah, one of those two things can happen, or I can get and you can't switch. There's just a lot of ways that can make it that if you find those little holes in a game where you go, well, they're trying to come out on you and they're trying to switch. All right, well, now we have a mismatch. We're just going to dunk it because we have a guy like Dylan Mitchell who will dunk on you if you switch on a screen. I mean, it's, if you put a guard on him, he's flying. He will jump over their head. He's got – I mean, he had eight points. I believe all of his field goals were dunks, every last one of them. Yeah. Four or five. And, and he, he can – what I like about his game, he he's willing to be a junkyard dog. 
Oh, yeah. He's a freakish athlete. He had nine rebounds in that game. Played good defense. Played good. He had a steal. Yeah. He had, I mean, he's you can say he had two offensive rebounds. I, I believe. That's the thing is, I don't think you can play on this team and, and not, not have, have a little bit of it in you. Well, he I don't rubs off on you because half the guys out there are junkyard well, dogs. Yeah, and I, Chris <laughs> Barrett is the type of coach. It's like that's not acceptable if you're not going for the ball. I mean, we saw Brad Cunningham. Game's well decided. It's like a minute half left in the game. There's a ball that rolls out, and he goes diving into the scorer's <laughs> table and smashes his back, and everybody freaks out. Like, like, has Cut- he doesn't have another speed. And that's why Beard loves him. Yeah. That's exactly why he's a Beard guy through and through, no question. Uh, yeah, man, they had a lot of guys that, that really played with a ferocious intensity. And I think that's why they, they, they forced 20 turnovers. Now, you could say that probably the Zags have a turnover issue because I think they had 18 versus Michigan State, too. Yeah, um, that, I will give them that was on a boat. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Good point. It was on an aircraft carrier. Uh, but, yeah, 20 turnovers. But what I love about the 20 turnovers forced for Texas, 27 points off of those turnovers. Yeah. So those live ball turnovers, they got out in transition for some of those. 12-2 to two advantage in fast break points. This is a team that their defense needs to create offense more consistently. Well, every yeah. game it should because they have uh, one of the best defenses. If not, some people may be calling it the best defense in the country. It's definitely in that conversation. It yeah. is. And, yeah. and, I mean, and it's a team that's Ooh. a little bit deeper than – I think a lot of us were oh. going to project it to I mean, be earlier yeah, in the season. Timmy Allen had two points, your lead score from last yeah, year. But two just, points. You can keep going down this bench and finding more and more players who are willing to step up and can step up. Uh, Arterio Morris didn't have a great game, missed some shots. He will, throughout this season, start to get that stroke back that he had in the Arkansas scrimmage mm-hmm. where he just started nailing three after three. He definitely has no problem taking the shot. So, so did this game look like the Arkansas scrimmage? Uh, not this, really, because Arkansas scrimmage was definitely not as physical. Okay, so yeah, this game was a lot yeah. more physical in, in that sense. Uh, but yeah, like I, I can't remember the exact stat for bench points, but Texas bench outscored because Gonzaga basically runs an eight-man rotation, and Texas bench outscored them in the first half, like twenty-seven to seven or oh, something yeah, like no, that. Yeah, it was. They had twenty bench points or something like that in the first half. Yeah, you're right. They had a lot of bench points in the first. And, half. And that was the thing is like if you're able to have your bench come in, yeah. and you're able to spell your guys. So in the fourth quarter, when normally it's a problem of, hey man, they make that run because you just expended all your energy and you're jumping up and signaling to the crowd and trying to get everything. Like you, you yeah. burn yourself out by by again. I mean, we saw Tyrese Hunter, and this is going to be an ongoing issue, uh, is that he cramps up. Yeah, we just so he's just but this so is much the usage. this so is much. the third game he's done it in. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so I'm saying I think it's going to be a continued issue it's that they more just of a have physiological to, thing than anything exactly. Else. So yeah. there's some guys that are just more predetermined prone to cramps. Like, prone, yeah. prone to cramps. Yeah. So that's going to be something where you they're going to be like, hey man, we just have to really keep hydrating this guy throughout games. Yeah, yeah, you do, and you got to watch like when and basically you have to make sure that you reserve him for the, the money time when you need him. Well, right. and that's but that's the thing is if you take him out, and that's when you can get a cramp because you come out of the game for yeah, a minute, and then you go back in. Yeah. So it's just they're, I think they're trying to figure out that rotation. Believe me, there is enough sports science at the University yeah, of Texas that they out. will keep getting better and better at it. It won't just be pickle juice. But I assure you. But no, but the fact <laughs> that they didn't need him and he's running the back to our hobbling back to the locker room to try and work that cramp out in between. You see him just so mad there because he's like, I just want to be, be out there. And then finally they let him come back in. They go. We're good. We wouldn't put you back in if we could, man. <laughs> yeah, man. No need. Uh, but you're right. I, I, it's so many different impressive storylines uh, for the Texas basketball team. Obviously, tough to get to all of them. I like Sir, Sir, Jar- Sir Jabari Rice's game too. Um, I thought he he's, was. A- he's another one of those like glue guys. Yes. That he just seems very happy to be here. He seems happy to be playing on a good team. He's talked already about how much he loves the Moody Center. So like everything that you could see of just a great addition to a team where you add a transfer portal guy. 
but it's not necessarily a guy where you're like, we got to get this guy the ball, and he's not going to be happy. Yeah. He's already left one place he's not happy at. And he's literally willing to fill in wherever, wherever yeah. needed. He knows, he, knows he, he has the best chance to make it to the next level to do what he does best, which is everything at a high level, but not elite level. Yeah. No, I mean, Texas, trust me, there'll be uh, plenty of opportunities uh, for Texas this season because the Big 12, you know, if Texas ends up being as good as we think, and then you got Kansas, I mean, Texas, Big 12 is going to be a showcase league. Uh, for college basketball, and I mean, year. and we got Creighton, who is Ooh. the uh, right now the number ten team in the country. Yeah, uh, coming up on December first, that's going to be at the Moody Center. That's going to be so big. that's going to be a big one. They're yep. going to be in New York playing Illinois, who's another good team on December six. Mm. Like that's all coming before we get to Big Twelve. You got two more big matchups before you get there. Yeah, no, that's gonna be it's gonna be really exciting. Obviously, this team is I mean, sky's the limit, pretty much. I believe Ken Palm now has them as the number one uh, ranked team in the Ken Palm ratings too. Uh, and also about the mood and the atmosphere, I'll give it up for all involved. Uh, and Chris Beard was heavily involved too. And shout out to CDC, Chris Del Conte, and everybody involved. That was like I said, that was a religious experience. It was fantastic. I mean, so am I right in telling you you have to go experience it to understand? What we're telling you, yeah, because I could tell you all the things of hey man, this is loudest, this is that, and until you go and you're like, oh, I get it with the students there, and I get it oh, with man. the music they're playing and, and the lights and the the fact they have those baffles down, but there's lights on there, and oh man, yeah, like you were saying about how the sounds got nowhere to go, it like bounces back at you, yeah, you get it, <laughs> and like sometimes it comes in waves, the sound does, it is, but it is, it's it's great, you can tell it's a true home court environment, and Chris Beard's idea to have the students. Right there by the court makes all the difference. Yeah, it's and, a different. It's a different energy. It just says, "Sorry, I know the the people who pay the big money. They want to be by the court, and the big money's still there. They are. The big money's still there's, there. Believe me, there's still big money yeah. around us. I know exactly. They wanted more big money around there, but there is no doubt at all that they, the young people, they just got a different energy than even the big money. Well, that would and be I, down think, there, I think I think from the things I've seen of the big money people that I've seen around, they're enjoying it too because now they're part of something special. Yeah. Versus before we were like, man, you're just up there with other rich people. Exactly. But now you're like, I'm up here at a one of the top facilities for college basketball in the country. Yeah. And to be there is something different. And that's what I'll tell you. I mean, there's going to be a lot of chances before we get to Big 12 play of some smaller schools. There will be tickets available. I would, yeah. Try and get out to a game. Take advantage. And you will see it and just be like, oh, okay, I understand more. Because it won't be as loud as it was last night. Yep. But it will still get loud in a lot of these games. And you'll be like, this – for, for oh, this team, came to, we're playing, yeah. we're playing Texas A&M, exactly. Community <laughs> College. <laughs> yeah. What if we come to the Kansas game or the Texas-Oklahoma yeah. game or but something like that? Like, a cheaper ticket will be out there that you can go. And, yep. I mean, there is not a bad seat. It, and there really because is, there is no upper deck. The like, there is yeah. no big upper deck. You're in. It's a great. Like I went there for the Chris Rock. It's a, it's a it's made for basketball. So the I, Chris, as a Chris Rock, but it wasn't as good. It's made. for I basketball. will tell you that tells you how there's no bad seats in there. They did a thing in the game where they showed up there and they're like, all right, student section cheer, blah blah blah, and they had everybody, and they said upper bowl. And no one cheered because no one realized they were in the upper bowl. Yeah, nobody's up there. They didn't realize. No, but there there was. They, what they meant was if you are not on the court level, so you're that one step higher. Oh yeah. You were in the upper bowl. But people didn't realize that because that's how good the seats are. Yeah. So when you can say no one cheered, you're like, oh, that should tell you that no one thinks, oh no, I'm upper. Yeah. But you're right you about are that. And they had a standing room only. Uh, uh, that's like now they're a little at bit the, higher. At the they, very it's a student spillover. There. It's a yeah. student spillover. Yeah, that is fresh. Weird. I was like, "What is that?" I no, it's know what all that the was. students who didn't fit into the crowd. Wow.
that was pretty cool too. That yeah. I mean, it really was. It was a great. It was a great experience. So uh, they did job well done and mission accomplished. They got the a great basketball venue and one of the best home court advantages for Texas basketball women as well uh, in all of college sports. So kudos to them. All right, we come back. Rod's rant of the day, and we're gonna talk Texas. Actually, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna bump the Texas football conversation. We're gonna talk about that top of the six. I want to talk some NFL. There's an NFL trend that I've been keeping up with all season long, and I thought at one point this would be an outlier, uh, and then maybe this trend would start to go the other direction. Maybe it would reverse itself. Not the case. Uh, actually, this may be the story of the 2022 NFL season. We'll talk about it on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Rod's Rant of the Day right here on Ball Don't Lie. I want to talk about an NFL trend that I pointed out earlier in the season, but now we're closer to the halfway point in the season. I pointed this out like a month into the season, but now we're closer to the halfway point in the season, and you still um, have this trend right now in the NFL. Remember I told you, scoring is down in the NFL. Scoring is down, total points per game, lowest point total uh, since 2010. Is at 43 points per game. That's between the two teams combined total. Um, It's actually down from last year's total. Um, Also, if you look at the parity in the NFL points, margin of victory, margin of victory actually is the lowest that it's been um, since, I believe, the lowest since they started keeping track of it in 1983. So they hypothesized it could be even, you know, obviously further back than that. But they started keeping track of it in 1983, 9.3 points of average margin of victory, lowest since they started keeping track of it. And if you go look at the um, the average scoring total per team, points per game per team, it's at 21.8 points. That's the lowest in 13 years, too. So all these numbers are down. The NFL is not happy about this, by the way, because <laughs> the NFL is upset about the points being down. They're trying to figure that out. Trust me, you probably get some rule changes in the offseason. The biggest factor probably in affecting the scoring has been the passing efficiency or lack thereof. Yards per completion is down. 11 yards per completion is the lowest since 1933. So basically the lowest in the modern era of football but one thing that is up, and this is kind of the trend that I think is really starting to become the theme of the season, if you will, yards per carry. Four and a half yards per carry uh, is the average uh, in the NFL right now. It's the highest in NFL history. And like I said, that's been the case all year long. Uh, like I said, I started tracking this like a month into the season. That has been the case all year long. We've been dealing with, and the previous high, I think it was like 4.3, 4.38. You're talking about a huge jump in terms of your rushing yardage. And interestingly enough, uh, I, I semi-predicted this would happen this is a, in a very strange quasi-way. 
if you remember, we started talking about the ecosystem of the Big 12 and how the, the Big 12 went through a, a evolutionary uh, change, uh, evolutionary adaptation, if you will, after the, the air raid took over the Big 12. The air raid essentially takes over the Big 12, all these you know vertical passing concepts, horizontal passing concepts, pace and space concepts, um, and the defense in the Big 12, trying to adapt to their ecosystem, they decide, all right, we're not getting whipped by these passing offenses anymore. We're going to back our safeties up, and they back their safeties up a lot of too high, deep safety coverages, right? Your cover fours, uh, your inverted Tampa two now, which is uh, the flyover defense my man Ian Boyd talks about, which is basically three high safeties uh, that we talk about. You start evolving to dropping more players in coverage, dropping eight in coverage, right? Iowa State famously uh, with their drop eight coverage. Now everybody in the Big 12, not everybody, but most of the teams in the Big 12 running that three high, three down. In addition to running a lot more two deep coverage with two high shells, with two safeties. And when that happened, the kind of natural, uh, uh, really evolutionary shift by the offenses since they're backing the safeties up was the offenses went from air raid offenses throwing the football horizontally, vertically, and trying to stretch you and stress you with pace and space. They said, you know what, let's work, let's work smarter, not harder, and let's just hand the ball off because they're dropping they got three deep safeties and they got two deep safeties and they're dropping eight. Well, that means we got the numbers advantage in the box. And all the Big 12 offenses, a lot of them became these hybrid spread schemes. I mean, Jeff Howell talks about that all the time. And these hybrid spread schemes started to become run-oriented spread schemes. And remember I talked about how PK miscalculated the Big 12, thought it was a, pra- a passing conference. No, the Big 12 is a running conference cross-dressing as a passing conference. <laughs> uh, so once you had all these teams dropping eight and having two and three deep safeties, teams started running the football more. That's when you get Baylor and their RVO offense, a reliably violent offense. Hell, even with Iowa State, uh, when they were in their prime, had their three tight end packages and K-State with Deuce Vaughn. They want to run the rock. We know Sark, RPO-based offense that wants to run the rock when you give it to us. You had all these teams that became more run-oriented. It was just easier, right? It just made more sense. Um, Now, with teams running the ball more, you started to see teams play less too high shell looks uh, in the Big 12, and they're starting to play some more single high looks to get extra guys in the box. Single high means one safety. So the NFL, similarly, is going through the same transmogrification um, and I, I predicted, I said, if the Big 12 is a you know a laboratory, really a <laughs> experimental laboratory for football, which I believe it is, you've got a lot of great offensive and defensive minds in this conference, a lot of cutting-edge, progressive philosophies in this conference about football. If that's the case, the NFL is going to go through the same thing because the NFL started to, at one time, look like an air raid league. People, people started saying, oh, the NFL looks like the Big 12. Man, people are throwing the football all around. You even had Big 12 representation with guys like Patrick Mahomes out there and Kyla Murray. Murray, it literally looked like the Big 12 with Big 12 quarterbacking, which is a lot of the reason that a lot of those concepts, air raid-ish concepts, trickled up to the NFL. So with that being said, NFL teams started doing what? Same thing Big 12 started doing, dropping their safeties back to the point where, hell, even the NFL, they're running three high concepts. When Patrick Mahomes faced the Bucs in the Super Bowl, they ran a ton of three high to confuse Patrick Mahomes, going all the way back to his time facing Iowa State in the Big 12, which popularized the three high three down look so the, the so the nfl you saw an increase this year and last year in more two deep three percent increase in two deep coverages 
uh, 3.5% increase in cover four, uh, the 4% increase in cover six is playing more too high deep because you have Josh Allens and Patrick Mahomes and all these big arm quarterbacks that are chunking the ball deep vertically. Well, now the NFL, after three years, three or four years of dealing with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and all of these pace and space, vertical passing games, NFL off and NFL defenses have adapted. Just drop our safeties back. And just like the Big 12, what has been the evolutionary adaptation for the offenses? Well, if you're going to drop back every damn safety and drop two and three safeties back deep, I got the numbers advantage inside. I'm just going to hand it off. But I always say, football at its most rudimentary form, it's a numbers game. If you're losing at one place, you're winning it somewhere else. <laughs> and if you're, if you're winning it someplace, you're losing it somewhere else. <laughs> and that's what happens. So now the NFL deciding they're going to hand the ball off, and now that's why they're averaging four and a half yards per carry because the rest of the NFL, at least the defenses, are deciding to prioritize pass coverage, dropping guys back and saying, no, you can beat me with the run, hand it off, but you're not going to beat me with that, those haymakers over the top. And so you have the same thing happening. Now, here's the twist. Here's the twist. And, and this is, makes something, this may be specific to the NFL. I got to study uh, the Big 12 a little bit more to see if this, uh, this experiment, if you will, right? uh, if it tracks, if they're going in the same direction. Because one thing I'm noticing in the NFL is you're having, because at one point, the wide zone scheme took over the NFL, became the most popular scheme, right? Sean McVay loves the wide zone scheme because he got it from Shanahan's. Shanahan's, their famous you know, zone blocking scheme, loved the wide zone. And after you know, Shanahan in the Super Bowl with the Falcons and then with the 49ers and then Sean McVay going to the Super Bowl and then winning one, uh, then you got Green Bay with the Michael Furr. Everybody started running wide zone and outside zone because these were the most popular concepts in the NFL. And, you know, the NFL goes back and forth, right? It's ebb and flow leaks, all about uh, evolutionary adaptation, if you will. So since everybody started running the wide zone, probably for the last six years now, we've been watching this become the most popular run, uh, run concept in the NFL. Well, team defenses started adapting, right? If you're going <clears> to <throat> keep running wide zone, and the wide zone basically, it – it forces uh, defense. It strings out defenses, right? It makes them play down the line of scrimmage. Um, and defenders now have been kind of taught and almost they've evolved and they have been developed to be kind of down the line of scrimmage defenders because you have a lot of people running the same concept. They're basically horizontal defenders as opposed to penetrating and getting upfield. And they become lighter, right, because they're operating more in space. So your D tackles are lighter and your defensive ends are lighter. Your linebackers are lighter because they're operating more in space in a space and pace league that's throwing the football. And, you know, now you have teams running that wide zone. They're running the play action off the wide zone, right? So you want guys that can go sideline to sideline. When to go sideline to sideline, you've got to be able to run, even as a D lineman, interior D lineman, or a defensive end. So they're lighter, so they can go sideline to sideline. You want beef up front that's going to be a space eater. That guy's going to be a little bigger. He probably ain't going sideline to sideline for you. So with that being said, defending the, horizontal, uh, the kinds of horizontal outside zone, teams, defenses have adapted. Well, now in the NFL – the, uh, the, the, the new evolutionary leap, if you will, is that they stopped running outside zone as much. In 2021, they were running inside zone 31% of the time. They're running outside zone around 27% of the time. Now, teams are running inside zone around 30% of the time in 2022, running outside zone around 24% of the time. So you got drops in uh, the frequency of the inside and outside zone concepts. 
and you have an increase in the frequency of the power and the counter gap schemes. Right? You got so now in 2021, teams are running power 28% of the time, they're running counter 27% of the time. Now, 2022, teams are running counter 32% of the time, they're running power nearly 33% of the time. And how about these numbers? In 2021, the inside and outside zone averaging four yards per rush, 4.3 yards per rush, power and counter in 2021, 4.2 yards per rush, 4.4 yards per rush, modest. All right, that's modest gains. In 2022, your inside and outside zone, it's about the same. 4.4 yards per rush, 4.3 yards per rush. Your power and counter schemes, 5.3 yards per rush and 5.2 yards per rush running power and counter. Why? All your defenders are light. They're, they're, they've all been bred and developed to, 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 to run down the line of scrimmage. Your D tackles are lighter. Look at it. Look at Aaron Donald. What, 275, best defender in football. <laughs> are your linebackers lighter? Your defensive ends are lighter? So let's run right at them as opposed to running down the line of scrimmage in the outside zone. Now we're going right at these light bodies. And what's going to be the – you can almost predict what the evolutionary adaptation will be for the defense. Bigger bodies. Bigger bodies. That's why the Eagles are getting the double kick too. It's like, nah, 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 I need a big body inside. Big bodies inside are going to become more popular. Jordan Davis with the Eagles. Yeah, why well, the Cowboys just trade for Hankins? Yeah, it's going to become more popular because now teams are running right at you again with yeah. gap and pounder schemes. So you need, guy, you need bigger, you need girth. You need girth inside. It's amazing how the ecosystem, you can see the evolution. And smart teams do it quickly, and some teams are not quick enough. You know what I mean? Uh, but there you go. The Big 12... I bet if I stay the Big 12, it's probably going through something very similar. Because the Big 12, remember, there are a lot of teams running the outside zone. Texas loves the outside zone. Baylor loves the outside zone. Oklahoma State loves the outside zone. Love the outside zone in the Big 12. Big 12 is a light league anyway with a lot of hybrid defenders. Somebody's going to decide, you know what? To hell with Let's just run power and counter constantly on them. Downhill. We'll see. Texas might be able to do it anyway, considering the, the, the running backs they have. All right, we'll come back. Uh, we come back, we'll get into Justin Verlander. Good news for him signing a, uh, sorry, uh, winning a Cy Young Award. And hopefully he's uh, signing back with the Houston Astros. Go Astros! We'll talk about that on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104 Horn. <laughs> Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. New theme Thursday, and the theme of the day is to be thankful. Uh, Thanksgiving on the horizon, so my man Patrick figured, hey, never too early to show a little gratitude and uh, show how thankful we all should be for the blessings we have. So uh, Thanksgiving, basically, is the theme for New Theme Thursday. So I want to thank Patrick for all of his hard work. Uh, you can always be a part of the show. Specs Text Line is the best way to do it, 512-337-3776. You also can hit us up via Twitter. I'm at Rod Davis in the Twitterverse. My man Patrick at It's Patrick Davis. My man Harge at Hardball Harge in the Twitterverse. Uh, good news for Justin Verlander. Uh, he won his, uh, his Cy Young, his third Cy Young. He's the 11th pitcher to win uh, three-plus Cy Young awards. Jordan's uh, Roger Clemens, uh, Randy Johnson, Steve Carlton. Randy, Roger Clemens got seven of these. <clears throat> um, and Randy Johnson has five. Steve Carlton has four, along with Greg Maddox. And then there's the groups of three. Yeah, there you go. Uh, also, Verlander becomes the first pitcher in history to win a Cy Young award after not pitching in the previous season. That also was uh, really impressive. Um, and on the other side, it was uh, Sandy Alcantara, I believe, that won it. 
So uh, the second time both Cy Young Awards were also unanimous. The winners uh, were unanimous votes. Um, and that happened in 1968. So congrats, uh, Justin Verlander. Now the big topic of discussion, will Verlander resign with the Astros? It eh, Right now it ain't looking very likely considering um, I believe it was dropped by Jim Crane. He dropped a little nugget that Verlander is seeking a deal similar to Max Scherzer who signed a three-year, $130 million contract with the Mets a year ago. That's a big number. Think he'll get it? He'll get the number on the open market, but he wouldn't get it from the Astros. I'm not sure if he'll get it from the Astros. He won't get but, it from the Astros. Uh, yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if how close they are or how much the number is. I mean, you remember they still don't even have technically a general manager right now. Yeah, and, and Jim Crane, by the way, he said he's in no rush. Um, here, here is his quote. He said, we've got some names. I'm going to take my time on it this time. He said, last time I was in a little crunch. I didn't have a GM, didn't ha- and I didn't have a manager. We've got a pretty good, solid, solid baseball ops team that's been around. Fergus and Charles Cook have been with the team a while. We're going to interview a bunch of people and see where we land with that. I don't expect anything to happen before the first of the year. So he's taking a sweet time on it. taking a sweet time. Yeah. yeah. I'm guessing you might want to reach out to Verlander and just be like, hey, we want to pay you. Just to let you know, I w- we want to pay you. We, we, we won't want to pay you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd like him back too, but I, I don't think the Astros are. I don't. I don't think it's gonna happen. If he wants that Scherzer deal, maybe he can give him a hometown discount or something. But he's coming off a Cy Young award, so he is. He's also yeah. He there, like, it's he's also got some years on him. But I mean, I get it. I look. I, if I'm the Astros and I realize how lucky I am to have a lot of guys that I'm not paying a ton of money to, and go well, look. But by the time I'm gonna have to pay them. In 2026, 2027 is when I'm really going to have to start shelling out some money to stay a competitive team. Yeah. But I also have the chance to win a couple more World Series before then, and we'll see where we're at in 2026, 2027. Maybe I just go ahead and pay Verlander because, I mean, are you going to go out in the free agent market and spend money elsewhere, or are you just going to let it ride? Yeah. But, I mean, you, you don't know what the position is at first base. You don't know what you're going to do in left field. There's a few answers to have, and so – if you win the World Series, you normally are supposed to open up the checkbook. That's and they don't the have a lot of free agents right now. So you don't have to open up the checkbook to keep people. Like to, to Yeah, you're right. Yuli, I think, is the guy that they have that Jim Crane openly said we'd like to keep Yuli. Yeah, Yuli's still there, but Yuli's yeah. aging as well. That's and true. then uh Michael Brantley Brantley's is another one agent. that so it's like, do you really wanna you don't necessarily have to go out and get other people. You can just kind of keep keep those guys and ride it, but you can't let them go. Not bring anybody else in, and then expect and, then, and expect to, to play as to, well as you did yeah, this year. Expect to be able to contend for a championship again. Now I'm with you. It'll be interesting to see. Jim Crane is not in a rush, obviously, to, to sign a uh, new GM, uh, which may hold up, obviously, any signings they get uh, in the offseason as well. So we'll come back. We'll get into Texas, Kansas, and preview that. We'll hear from uh, Coach Sark as well doing his Zoom availability earlier today. All of that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn.